Hello, Dr. Tim Jordan here, and welcome back to this episode of Raising Daughters. Um, I really appreciate you being part of this community of, of parents and also kids who are wanting more information about, about uh, being good parents, about making sure that you're raising kids who are healthy and successful, uh, content and happy and fulfilled. And it's that word community that, that I wanted to talk about today, and mostly in regards to like a neighborhood community. And this topic came up to me, or came to mind for me, because I recently heard that one of my old neighbors from growing up had passed away, Mr. Bob Lee. Uh, we always call him Mr. Lee, obviously, but it made me think about all the things that I gained from having a close neighborhood community growing up as a kid. I, th I take great comfort in knowing uh, back then that I had so many adults who, who knew us. Uh, there's a sense of belonging I got from being part of my old neighborhood. Uh, parents joked around with us. They didn't care about our grades. Uh, we had a different kind of relationship with, with these neighborhood adults than our own parents. It's like having a bunch of your favorite aunts or uncles that live right down your street. I'm not bashing parents here, but it's just different. I remember one time our, my mom and dad took us up to church for our before school starting like church picnic, and there were eight kids in my family. I was one of eight. And I remember after, after uh, uh, driving home, my mom turned to all of us in the station wagon, she's, and she started crabbing us about how uh, we, were, we weren't very polite, and we were so rude to other people, and she said we wish, she wished that we were more like the Driscoll family, because those kids were always so polite and so nice to everybody. The next day at school, one of my best friends, Julie Driscoll, told me that on the way home from the church picnic, her parents said the exact same thing to her. Gosh, you guys, I wish you were more like those Jordan kids. They're so nice and so polite. Um, so sometimes it's nice to have people other than our parents who can see us. Um, back in the day, I remember there were a lot more adults out on the street playing. We would play baseball in the middle of the street with balls, I mean, excuse me, with cars all around. Um, we'd go in the backyards and we'd play hoops with a lot of the dads who would come out and play. I remember how fun it was to play basketball with Mr. Lee in his backyard. We always looked forward to those times. I remember every July 4th, our neighborhood would, had, would hold a, a neighborhood softball game. We'd, we'd go up to the local middle school that had some nice fields in the back. And we would go every July 4th. And even when I would come back home and be home for, in the summertime, I always played because it was so much fun to be around all the old neighbors. There was a couple, Herb and Jackie uh, Gittleman, who were kind of the new parents on the block when I was probably in middle school. And they were a young couple, probably in their probably early middle 20s at the most. And, and uh, Mr. Gittleman had kind of long hair, and they had two little girls who were really cute. A lot of us babysat their kids for them. And they loved us coming around and just hanging out on their front yard. We'd sit around and talk uh, in the afternoon and the evening time. It was nice to have adults who liked us, <laughs> who liked teenagers. I remember playing tennis with Herb a bunch of times, especially once I got into college, because he was a tennis player. Every Halloween, we would all go out. Uh, we had a street that was like a circle with a street in the middle. And there were lots of, lots of neighborhoods right around us as well. So we'd be out for a couple hours getting Halloween candy. And then we'd always end up at, at the Potter's house, uh, Ray and Jean Potter. And they had two kids that were at my sister's ages. And they would always uh, have us come over there after trick-or-treating. And we'd have hot chocolate and sit around and eat candy and just hang out with the neighbors. Every Christmas... Um, a lot of the kids' in the neighborhood would get together, and we would go Christmas caroling uh, for the Christmas Caroling Association. I think that's what we were doing for with the little can collecting money. 
And we would go to lots of different neighborhoods, and we'd come back every year. We would go to somebody's house afterwards and have hot chocolate and just hang out. I remember uh, walking to school every day with my siblings, with lots of the neighborhood kids. There was a bunch of us. And it, was, it was down a four-lane road. It was busy, a little, little skinny sidewalk. Um, every day we went. It was about a mile long. And I'm not exaggerating. It was about a mile. I remember on some rainy days, uh, my mom, who had little, some little kids at home, couldn't take us. And so we'd, we'd just walk in the rain. And I remember several times Mr. Shingoti, who was one of our friend's uh, dad's, he had a big old station wagon. He would stop on the middle of the road and pick us up and drive us the rest of the way to school on, the, on a lot of those rainy days. It was a different time back then in a lot of ways. I remember one time when I was in about second, maybe third grade at the most, we all walked to school, and I think it was a winter day, and or maybe it was in the springtime. But anyway, when I got to school, uh, the teacher noticed something on me, so she sent me to the school nurse, and they, they saw that I had some impetigo on my scalp. Not very much, just a little bit. So they called my mom and said, you guys send him home. It's too contagious. And my mom said, you know, just go ahead and send him home. Because, you know, with little kids at home, she couldn't, couldn't you know, leave. With, uh, and so she, I just walked home. Here I am, a third grader, in the middle of the day, or middle of the morning, walking home by myself for a mile down a four-lane road. I think if, if a parent allowed their, their third grader to do that today, they'd probably be arrested for child abuse. I remember growing up Catholic and and there was a 7 o'clock mass, and, I, and sometimes I would go and serve it, so I'd have to leave the house around 6, 6, 10, you know, pitch black, freezing cold, and walk the mile in the dark, you know, to church to, to, to serve mass. Again, if you allowed your kid to do that today as a fourth or fifth grader, you'd probably be uh, accused of child abuse. Another thing that was different back then, at least in my early days of growing up, was businesses were all closed on Sunday. I think we forget that, that back in that kind of a day, everybody was home because nothing was open. Uh, the other thing that was different besides everybody being home, i.e. the adults being home, was that we weren't sitting around in front of entertainment centers all day playing video games and watching Netflix and all that kind of stuff because none of that was available. We had one black and white TV in our home, and there were three channels, maybe four if it was a good day, a clear day. So there wasn't stuff like that to do on the inside, so therefore we all went outside. Also, there was no air conditioning a lot of times, and so people were outside for that very same reason, just, just too hot being inside the house. So there was a lot more neighborhood stuff going on because everybody was outside. In that day and age, too, back in the 50s, 60s, uh, most moms stayed at home. They weren't out in the workforce, so there was always moms around, if you will. There were a lot of woods near our home growing up. And so when we left in the morning time, we were kind of like gone all day. And we weren't being checked up on because they couldn't check up on us. We didn't have a cell phone. There wasn't a tracker um, implanted in our heads or in our phones or in our cars. So when we were gone, we were gone. I really feel sorry for kids today who are growing up with, with that lack of freedom. Their parents know where they are every second of the day. If they turn off their phone or leave their phone someplace, their parents freak out. If a parent today texts their kid and the kid doesn't text back within like two minutes, it's almost time to call the police because parents are so anxious today. It was a lot different back then. I think our parents were more, more low-key in that way. I remember sometimes in the woods when we were out there, we were, our, our parents, the neighborhood parents, would give us uh, odd scraps of wood and nails and hammers, and we'd go out there and we would build tree houses. And we would build forts out in the woods. It was okay to do that. 
when my son John, who was 31 now, when he was in middle school, he and his buddies got, uh, got a bunch of wood and we gave him hammers and nails. They went to some woods near our house and a neighbor called the police and the police came and kicked him off. Different day, different age. I remember in the wintertime, we had a creek near our house that was actually pretty wide. It wasn't a river, it was a creek, but it was a, it was a wide creek. And we would go and play hockey there a lot in the winter because it was cold, colder back then. We had more freeze, freezing times, more freezing days. I remember our dads would go to the creek with us in the fall, and they would help us dam a part of the creek so that it would back up, and we had a bigger area and a, and a still area to play hockey so that we had a better, better ice in the winter. I remember going there sometimes at 7 o'clock in the morning, right when the sun came up, all on my own, on a Sunday morning, and skating on that brand new ice that was like glass. I still have memories of doing that. Sometimes the parents would come and build a big bonfire so that when we'd uh, take a break from hockey, we could get warmed up and there would be hot chocolate and stuff. I remember back in the day uh, shooting off fireworks in the street, and it was okay. Bottle rockets, M80s, cherry bombs. It was awesome. I remember one time an old neighbor, a neighbor whose name I will not mention, Mr. Adam, um, who called the cops on us. And the cops had been sitting up at the top of the street watching, but and they didn't do anything until somebody called. And when the cops came down the street, a, a lot of our dads came out, talked to the cops, let them know they were watching and supervising, and the cops went back to the top of the street and watched us shoot off fireworks. You think that would happen today? When I was ready to go to college, I... Uh, didn't have money uh, from my parents because they couldn't afford to help me out at all, so I had to pay for my college. And so I had to go to the, to the bank to get a loan, and when I went to the bank, I sat down with Mr. Conway, who was one of my neighbors. Um, used to babysit his kids. I remember sitting at that desk in the bank uh, feeling kind of scared, but also, also a little bit grown up. I was doing a grown-up kind of a thing, but again, a neighbor helped me with that. All the parents on New Year's Eve, from uh, not all of them, but my parents' friends, they had maybe, oh, five or six or seven couples. They would all go to somebody's house every New Year's Eve, and they would party there. And my, I remember my dad always saying he didn't want us driving around New Year's Eve because it was amateur night, i.e. people drinking and driving who shouldn't, who shouldn't have been doing that. My dad died young. He was about 63 years of age. I remember lots of the neighbors and the neighbors' kids in my generation all came to the funeral. I've been to a, several other funerals of neighbors myself. I have such fond memories of growing up in that kind of a close community where we knew each other, we did things together, we supported each other, where the parents knew the kids, the kids knew the parents. I try to recreate some of that kind of a community, that sense of community in my summer camps. Our camps now are 30 years old. The weekend retreats 30 years, the summer camps 29 years this coming summer. And one of the things I wanted to recreate was having downtime, like we had growing up, which I think a lot of kids do not have today. Downtime where kids can just kind of hang out and make up their own games and supervise themselves. I remember a couple years ago at camp, uh, one of the camps that we used had built a gaga ball pit. It's like an octagon, and the, the sides, it's made of wood, and the sides are about mm, maybe three feet high, I think, three or four feet high. And then you're supposed to get in there with a ball and, and kick it around or something. So our kids saw that gaga pit, and they told us what, what the game was. And so we, they, they got kind of bored with that. They thought it was kind of dumb. So then they started making up a new game that we call Snake Pit. 
where eight people would stand around and they would put their water bottle on top of one of the slats. And then the object was to try and, try and stay in the game, which meant that, they could, that you keep your water bottle on that slat. And the way people knocked the, the, the water bottles off was with the Frisbee. So the king or the queen in that space would throw a Frisbee and try and knock a bottle off the wall. If it fell, if it fell off the wall of the, of the Gaga pit and hit the ground, then you were out and somebody else took your place. If it fell off the, off the side of the thing, but you caught it before it hit the ground, you were in. And the more we played, the more rules we made up. And it was a gas. And every summer when the girls come back, the campers, they want to play snake pit. It was just one of those things that happened spontaneously. And the reason it could happen spontaneously, that kind of fun, was because they had downtime. Some of my favorite times at camp are walking down to the lake at sunset with a group of kids and sitting on the dock looking over the water and looking at the sunset and just talking hang out like I used to do at the Gittleman's front yard. I think kids, and especially teens, love hearing stories of adults when they were growing up. Our campers love hearing about Tim, about my stories about growing up. They want to connect with the adults who, who see them and care about them. They want to know that I can relate, and the way I can let them know I can relate is by letting them know that I was there. I know exactly what they're going through. In a day and age when kids, as well as adults, are feeling more and more disconnected and lonelier than they have in the past. And there's a lot of research to back up that statement. I think neighbors can help fill the void of not having grandparents and relatives around to support parents with their, with their child rearing. I think a lot of people today don't have those relatives around like they used to because a lot of young people move out of town. They move to the bigger cities. It was comforting for me to know that there were so many adults who knew me, who were looking out for me, just like I think the kids at camp love having camp counselors like, like we have who are there for them, who see them, who have time to hang out, to walk down to the lake, to have some downtime with, some relaxed downtime so they can really connect and have some fun and play games and play card games. So gosh, something as simple as just card games at camp. We'll, we'll play for hours in the evening after the evening activity. And the kids love it because they oftentimes don't have time in their families to do things like that. If it takes a village to raise a child, which I think it does, then we need to consciously bring back more of that kind of, of a village that I was just talking about and that sense of community that people in my generation experienced in their neighborhoods. I want everybody to be able to have what Mr. Robert, Mr. Um, Rogers had, which was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. As best you can, try and spend more time outside in your neighborhood. Get to know the kids in your neighborhood. Get to know the other adults in the neighborhood. Have block parties and block events and basketball games and softball games and things so that everybody gets to know each other and you, and you get a sense of looking out for each other, knowing each other, and therefore a sense of community. I really do appreciate you coming around here every two weeks to hear these podcasts. Check out uh, all the things I offer, my camps, my retreats, and my books and things on, on our website at drtimjordan.com. Uh, my new book, She Leads, a Practical Guide for Raising Girls Who Advocate, Influence, and Lead has just come out recently. So look for that on my website and at Amazon.com as well. I'll see you back here for, with a new podcast on Raising Daughters in two weeks. I'll see you then. Oh, 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 you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.